Hello, everyone, and welcome into Senior Living Live. My name is Melissa. We have got a wonderful webinar on tap for you here this afternoon. It is called Stress Less, Save More, and Feel Better. I think that is something that we can all appreciate. This webinar is presented to, to you by Arbor Terrace Exton out of Pennsylvania. So this year between COVID, elections, now we've got the holidays coming up, we could all use a little reminder of what is truly important to minimize our day-to-day -day stress. Someone who is fantastic at helping people navigate the good, the bad, and the ugly in life is Diane Lang. She is absolutely wonderful. She has an excellent presentation for you today. And at the end of that presentation, she will be available to answer all of your questions all you have to do is scroll down to the bottom of your screen where it says Q&A. You can type your question out there and I will read them to Diane for her to answer at the end of her presentation. So with that, I will pass the microphone along to Diane. Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm going to put my PowerPoint up and we're going to get moving. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, I am Diane Lang and I am a psychotherapist, have been working in the field for about 20 years. I am also an adjunct professor at Montclair State University in New Jersey in the undergrad psychology department. And I work at Rutgers University in the Graduate School of Social Work as an adjunct professor there as well. So I've been working in the field for a good 20 years now, both on the counseling side and the education side. So today we're gonna to talk, talk about stress and anxiety and there's just some of it so much of it going on right between the pandemic the second wave the election seasonal disorder and the holidays coming it could just be a really stressful time for everyone so i want to go over just to start a little bit about what's the difference between stress and anxiety because it's really important that we know the difference and know when stress is becoming too much for us so I wanna start off with saying that we can't live a stress-free life. Stress is just part of our lives. It'll be there all the time. And stress itself is not so bad. It's not stress itself, it's how we manage it. So we even have what's called positive stress, which is stress that comes to us due to positive situations like a move, right? We're so excited, we're moving to our dream location, into our dream, you know, townhome, condo, wherever we're moving, we're downsizing, this is great, moving into this great community, but it's still stressful. But the final big outcome is positive, but it could still be stressful. So we're always going to have stress. Now, when there is stress, there is a stressor or a trigger that is giving us distress. Once the stressor and the trigger is gone, so is distress. So I might be stressed while I'm moving, as we move into the new home, but once I'm settled in and I'm feeling good and the old home is taken care of, all my stress is gone. But when stress turns into anxiety, that is completely different. Now, when stress turns into anxiety, this is the difference. One, the stressor, the trigger could be gone, but you're still feeling anxious and stressed out. The other thing is when we're having anxiety, we start to get the rumination in our head where we have all these thoughts that are going on all day that affect our day, that could affect our eating, our sleeping, our attention span, our focus, our energy. And even when the stressor and trigger is gone, we're still feeling that way. And the rumination, when that happens, the rumination is rumination of excessive worry, fear, and doom and gloom. And that's bigger than stress, right? When we're stressed, we'll feel a little stressed out, might even feel a little restless, a little nervous. But when we're anxious, we feel that rumination, we have that doom and gloom, we have that fear. Now, the other thing about anxiety too is anxiety also causes anxiety attacks, which would not happen just from stress. So when stress is turned into anxiety, we start feeling an anxiety attack. Now, just a little bit about an anxiety attack. If you've never had one, absolutely always go to a doctor first and check in and make sure because for a lot of people, it can cause a lot of anxiety. Just having one, it can feel like a heart attack, having problems breathing. Well, once you have had them, you'll know what they are. And the good news about them is once you've had an anxiety attack, 
you'll realize they only last about 10 minutes and they are not harmful in any way. So what happens is when we're having an anxiety attack, if we resist it, if we fight it, then the resistance equals more stress. Always remember that whatever you resist actually adds to your stress. So I'm gonna put it up here on the chat board um, because I think it's a really important thing that everybody remembers. So resistance absolutely equals stress. The more you resist something, the more stress you add to it. So if you're feeling anxious, if you're having any anxiety, if you're in the middle of an anxiety attack, the best thing to do is to do the self-talk and remind yourself, it's just an anxiety attack. It'll last 10 minutes or so if I don't resist. It's not harmful whatsoever. And just kind of do the self-talk, kind of lean into the anxiety. When we lean into the anxiety, we kind of accept it and we don't fight it. And that's really important. And another really easy kind of tip for people who have anxiety or nervousness, you know, any of those fear is really simple. It's chewing gum or chewing. If you don't like gum or you can't because of your teeth, then chewing like pretzels or peanuts or anything that gives you the repetition of chewing. Because what chewing gum does, and there's a few bonuses in this, right? I have a client, unfortunately, in January who got into a car accident. And now every time he gets in the car to drive, he gets anxious. He knows why, you know, he knows what the reason is, but he's working through it. And I said to him, you know, let's try the chewing gum. Now he can't chew gum, says he has too many crowns and it just doesn't work with his teeth. So he carries peanuts and pretzels in this car because they don't freeze or melt. And every time he starts getting stressful, whether it's traffic, whether he's stuck at a light too long, he starts chewing the peanuts or pretzels. And the chewing repetition, what it does is it takes away from nervousness, it reduces the nervousness, it lowers your stress hormone cortisol. And believe it or not, just a, a perk that I love about this that's not related to stress, but good, is it actually improves our memory. So I use this with a lot of my clients because I work with traumatic brain injury clients and a lot of them have the same signs and symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's, no matter what their age is, and gum will actually help improve their memory and reduce their stress. So really just an important tool. If you're feeling anxious, pull out the gum. If you don't mind gum, if not, carry something with you or put it in your car. If you, know, if you need to, that's gonna help reduce the stress. Again, peanuts, pretzels. Um, I have a college student who loves Twizzlers. So you know whatever it is um, that works for you, but making sure that you figure it out, You know what can I carry with me to help? But knowing that anxiety, again, it's not harmful. If you resist it, it'll last longer. So we have a lot of you know, things we can do with anxiety, but the first two things, the chewing gum and not resisting it are huge. The other thing is being aware of what anxiety feels like for you. So you have this signs and symptoms. So anxiety rears its ugly head on everybody differently. So I'm going to give you some generalizations of what anxiety feels like, but again, it could be completely different for everybody. So when people are anxious, it absolutely affects us. We call it the mind-body connection because whatever's going on in our mind affects our body. So if we're feeling too much stress, anxiety, fear, uncertainty, all of that is going to go in our bodies. So you wanna think about where do you hold stress, anger, anxiety, fear on your body? So the most common areas people hold it, the first one is here. And I'm gonna point at it, like right here where your ear is, if you touch right there, you can actually feel if you're having that kind of jaw pain. Because I know for a lot of my clients, this is the number one spot they get it in. Because when we're stressed, anxious, fearful, and we could even do it at nighttime, so we don't even know because no one hears it, either grind or clench our teeth. And that causes right there, um, TMJ or lockjaw. It could cause jaw pain, ear pain, throat pain, and it also causes teeth sensitivity. I had a client the other day who um, was in her early 70s and she said, I, I don't think I've ever had this problem before. And her teeth were really sensitive. And she said, every time she opened her mouth, she felt the, she like it felt like it was clicking and she would hear a little clicking noise. She went to the dentist and absolutely, that's exactly what it was. 
So this is one common area. Another place is our head. We get headaches, migraines. Another common area is right here, right? Our neck, our shoulders, and our back because we tense up. When we're stressed, we tend to tense up and we hold it. And for some people, just so you know, they tense up all the time. So I had a client the other day say to me, and I remember this because she said, you know, every day I wake up and she goes, my whole body aches. She goes, but I'm sleeping. You know, she goes, uh, she goes, it must be my age. She's 68. And she said, I, I just felt like, you know, maybe it's because I'm getting older. My whole body hurts. She goes, but I didn't understand because I don't have any pain during the day. I'm sleeping well. And it's because we stress and we tense up and we could be tense all day. Or we actually, right before we go to bed, sometimes we are our tensest. And then we go to bed like that. And if we have any dreams that are related to our stress and anxiety, we will tense up. So you might just have that your whole body aches. As that client said, she goes, I feel like I have the flu. Like every part of my body hurts, but I'm fine. She's not sick, no fever. She goes, I just couldn't figure it out. That could easily be anxiety. Another common area is the stomach. And as one of my clients said, she goes, I feel like someone's in there wringing a washcloth. So really important to notice it's a mind-body connection. When you connect to it, you will know something's going on. And it's really important because we all have the ability to be in denial, to avoid all our stress and anxiety, to push it aside, compartmentalize it, but it's going to come out on our body. And just this morning, a client said to me, she said, you know, I never realized that she goes, but she goes, I'm having a lot of headaches. She goes, and I just thought it was allergies or sinus. She goes, even worried a little bit about COVID. She goes, but then when you mentioned that it could be stress, she goes, I started paying attention to it and realizing that, oh my God, it is stress and I'm not sleeping well. Headaches, migraines, stomach, they could all be related to stress. So when you start paying attention, it's that mind-body connection. You can use it as a tool, a red flag, that something's going on and to check in with yourself and say, you know, what am I stressed out about? What am I anxious about? Is there something I'm not dealing with? And you can use it that way. It's also a sign that you have too much stress and you need to make a change. Now, that's how we hold stress and anxiety on our bodies. An anxiety attack might feel a little different. So when you're having an anxiety attack, that will feel, you know, anxiety attacks are different for everybody. But again, I'm going to give you some generalizations of what it can feel like. So when somebody's having an anxiety attack, it either comes to them, usually one way is the chest. And a lot of people say they feel like um, their heart is racing or that they're having a heart attack. Or a client expressed to me a few weeks ago that she said she felt like she had a brick on her chest. And some people say they feel like they're hyperventilating. For others, it goes right to their throat. And they feel like there's a tennis ball stuck in their throat and they can't swallow and their mouth and their throat dry out. That's globus. And again, it's all stress and anxiety related. Then again, other people get, this is common, but it feels two different ways. One client expressed it to me that she felt like she had pins and needles, like, you know, when your hand falls asleep and you try to shake it out. Another few clients all expressed that it felt like they were having like little shocks, like kind of one of my clients expressed the other day, she forgot to put her dryer sheet into the dryer and she took a sweater out and then she touched the light and she got that shock, you know, those kind of little feelings. So Anxiety attacks have that. They also have hot and cold sweats, hot and cold flashes, the dizziness, the headache. And for some, it goes straight to their stomach and they feel nauseous. So everybody has different, but remembering what are your signs and symptoms because it's individualized, being aware of it, talking yourself through it. This is not harmful. This is an anxiety attack, not fighting it, not resisting, kind of leaning into it. And if you can, chew the gum or whatever you have with you to just kind of help release. And another big thing to remember with this, because I'm going to put this number here on the chat board because it's another important thing. When we're stressed out, anxious, fearful, and we're having all that rumination from anxiety of excessive worry, fear, anticipatory anxiety of what could happen, right, with the election, with COVID, vaccine, all of that. One of the things to think about, and this is a great number to remember, and I tell all my clients this. 90% of what you fear never, ever happens. 90%. That's a huge number. We spend so much time fearing and worrying and being in anxiety mode 
when the truth is 90% never even happens. Now, out of that 90% um, that never happens, we have that 10% left, only four or 5% actually happens. And it doesn't happen the way you think it'll happen. It happens a lot less. Like this just happened to me. I, a few weeks ago, I cracked my cap. I have a crown or a cap, whatever word you want to use. And I was eating and it cracked. And of course, it's a Thursday. And with COVID, my dentist is closed on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I have to wait till Monday, which gives me the whole weekend to stress out. And I don't like the dentist. I don't know about anybody else. And I freaked myself out. I stressed out. I got anxious. And I go to the dentist on Tuesday morning. He looks at it. He kind of, you know, I don't know what he did, kind of filed it down, polished it. And he's like, okay, you're good to go. You didn't even hit your tooth. And I'm like, I take a deep breath, a sigh. And he goes, you worried, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, and I know better. I'm a therapist. I know better. But that's exactly what we do, right? I stress, got myself all anxious about this, was in the dentist chair, sweating, getting all of those anxiety signs. And there was nothing. It was nothing. And that's what we do. So remember that number too, 90% of what you fear never, ever happens. Four to 5% doesn't even happen the way you thought it would happen. So really a lot doesn't happen. The other thing to remember is we need to feel our emotions. So a great way to think about this, and I put it up here because it's so important, is we need to feel to heal. You can't go through your, you know, anything you're going through, forgiveness, grief, hurt, healing, without feeling your emotions. You need to feel whatever it is. And just so everybody knows, we're all grieving, right? We're grieving our pre-pandemic life. So even if nothing else is going on right now personally, you know, or nothing has happened that you haven't lost anyone to COVID, which I hope no one has. I know it's been a rough time for everybody. But even if you know, you have the best case scenario, you didn't get sick, no one you love got sick. We're still all grieving what our life looked like pre-pandemic. We're grieving our old routines, our old schedules, the safety and security of being able to go to a store without a mask, without, you know, sanitizer, worrying if someone sneezes or coughs. We are grieving and we're grieving what life used to look like, that sense of normalcy. So, no matter what you're going through, again, whether you're healing, grieving, whatever you're working through, we need to be mindful to feel those emotions. And with grief or healing of any type, the emotions are like a roller coaster ride. They could be different day by day. And we're all kind of navigating a new norm, right? Life looks different all the time between the weather makes a difference of what COVID, what COVID looks like, whether we're going to be locked down or not when the vaccine's coming out, what the election's gonna look like, what it's gonna look like with the new president. We have all of this uncertainty. So we need to feel the emotions that come up and they can range from you know, anxiety, to depression, to anger, to sadness, to uncertainty, but just to feel them. Be mindful and feel them. We just don't want to avoid them. Because again, if we internalize and push everything down, it's eventually gonna rear its ugly head. And it might be six months from now, it might be a year from now, it might come out by being moody, irritable, or it might come up with physical, you know, getting ulcers, getting low, you know, high blood pressure, whatever it is. So you want to make sure that you pay attention and be mindful to feeling your emotions. So what can we do, right? That's always the big question. We know we're going to have stress. We know that we're going to have anxiety, having too much stress, which all of us, I mean, we've been in, God, we've been in the pandemic eight months. So absolutely, it would be very normal for stress to turn into anxiety because when we're having stress consistently for weeks and months on end, it's very easy for that to turn into anxiety. And also remembering that anxiety can easily turn into depression too. So being aware of them is really great. And another thing to remember too is that kids, your kids, your grandkids, they can all have anxiety or stress too. So just being aware of the signs for everybody because not only do we want to take care of ourselves, right? We like to make sure everybody in our family is doing well. So just being mindful of that. So here are some strategies for dealing with stress. And now the first one I really like because we all can do it and this works great for adults. And it's a really important tool that we have. So knowledge is the enemy of fear. So I just want to put that across the board. Knowledge is the enemy of fear. So 
for us to deal with any kind of problem that comes our way, whether it's global, like a pandemic or a natural disaster of any type or the election, or it's something personal that's going on in our own lives, one of the best things to do is to first gather up as much information about the situation you're going through. Get as much information, make sure that that information is up to date, it's from a reliable source, and then get as much as you can. Now, when we get all this information and we gather it up and we have it there, it gives us a sense of power, it gives us a sense of control because we're taking control of it. We're finding out everything we need to do. Now, once you find that out, then you can work with others and you can brainstorm ways to figure out solutions. And what this does is this turns the problem into more of a solution-based issue. So we're kind of reframing. It's like, all right, this is a situation and we could stay stuck on it. Why is this happening? Get anxious. Or we could say, all right, here's the situation. What will I do with it? And to take action, the best way is get all the information, get as much knowledge and information on the situation and sit down with people, whether it's just your spouse, your kids, your family, your grandkids, whatever it is, sit down and problem solve, brainstorm, troubleshoot and find the solutions. That gives us that sense of control and power that we lost in a situation. So for a lot of us, situations like this, it's the uncertainty. It's the uncertainty that makes it so stressful. So by getting all that information and problem solving, we feel that sense of control and power back into our lives. So that's the first way. Now, also, if any of you have kids or grandkids, really important to know this technique of getting all the information, brainstorming works for high school kids and up. So if any of you have even, you know, later junior high, middle school, high school, college and up to all the way to late stages of adulthood. This works wonderful. So you can all really work together and troubleshoot. Now, even if troubleshooting and brainstorming looks different, you're doing it through Skype or you know Zoom, whatever it is, it's important to do that. So that's one way to really manage stress. The second way is working on what we have control over. Now, again, this is really important because again, we feel that lack of control. And when we feel lack of control, we get that worry and that fear. So the first thing you wanna think about is in this situation that you're going through, whether again, it's global or personal, what do you have control over? You always wanna ask yourself, what do I have control over? And in this problem or situation, do I have control over it? If you don't have any control over it, and just to remember, the only thing we can control is ourselves. So if we're trying to control a situation that's outside in our environment, we can't do it. We're trying to control others, we can't do it. And the more we, more we try to control others, all we do is cause separation and frustration on both parties. So if you can't control it, the form of control you do have is to let go and accept what it is. And just so you know, when you let go, you let go of resistance and stress, right? Because we talked about on the other slide, resistance equals stress. So if I let go of resistance, if I let go of trying to control something I have no control over, I automatically let go of the stress that it's adding. So just by letting go. Now, letting go doesn't mean giving up because some people have asked, well, if I let go, did I give up? Absolutely not. Letting go and accepting a situation for what it is allowed you to stop the fight, stop the resistance, take a few deep breaths and gain clarity. And once we gain clarity, then we can make decisions and choices that are not based on fear, ego, impulsivity, and choices and stuff that we'll regret. So when we get that clarity, we can breathe again, then we can make decisions that are well you know, healthier for us and better suited for our needs. So if you can't control it, let go and accept what it is, give yourself a little break, get some clarity, and then go back to problem solving it. Now, what can we control? Because that's what people always ask. What do I have control over? Really important question. So again, we can't control anyone but ourselves. It's the first thing to remember. Now we can control how we react, and respond to situations. 
that's really important. How do we react and respond? Again, are we reacting impulsively out of fear, out of hurt or anger, or is it well thought out? Really important. We can also control our mindset, which is really important because our mindset includes our patterns, our habits, and our behaviors. So what we think about literally affects how we feel. And that's really important. You know, one of the things we know in studies, like with positive aging, what we think about, what we write about, what we talk about affects how we feel and how we age. So if I'm constantly thinking of like aging as a negative, then that's how I'm going to age. If I think of aging as a positive and wisdom and vibrance and energy and me time, then I'm going to age very successfully. Your thoughts play a role in how you feel, how you act, and what your belief system is. So it's really important to think about your mindset. Are you negative or are you positive? Now, just to put this out there, we all have what's called a negative bias. Every human has it. It's inherited. It's genetic. But this is the thing. With the negative bias, it makes us tend to lean towards the negative, focus more on the negative, and notice the negative. Good way to think about this, right? Have you ever had a day, right, that was 99% great? Everything went really well. Maybe 1% was as you were coming back, it started raining or got stuck in some traffic or there was no good parking, whatever it was, but 99% of your day was great. It's the end of the day, you shut the light, the TV, you're about to go to bed, start evaluating your day. What comes up for you? The 99 or the one? For most people, it's the 1% will focus in on that negative. So you want to be careful with the mindset because we tend to go to the negative way easier. So you want to be mindful. So one way to think about this is every situation you're in has two sides of the story. Every situation. Now I'm going to use the pandemic as an example because we're all in it. So in the pandemic, there's two sides to the story. Both sides are 100% true. They're both based on fact and truth. But one side will be negative, one side will be positive. So let's use the pandemic, for example. I have clients who will discuss the pandemic and everything that's going on, and they'll talk like this. Can't believe we're in a pandemic. We're in a second wave. They just locked down Europe. What's going to happen here? You know, we finally just got some freedom. Are we ever going to have a vaccine? The hospitals are starting to get crowded. Should we even go outside? And that's all true, right? That's 100% true. It's based on truth and fact. You can see it in the news and the media. Absolutely. But on the other side, here's the other side or the other story of the pandemic that clients say. And one client just expressed this to me the other day. She said, all right, we knew the second wave was coming, right? We knew it. So it's getting a little bit more, you know, crowded at the hospitals, but we know how to handle this better. We have more information. The nurses and doctors are prepared for it. So we can handle this situation. We'll get through it. They're almost getting a vaccine. Well, we got this. Now, both sides of the story are 100% true, but one's positive and one's negative. Which one do you choose to focus on? Which one do you put your time on? And that's what we have control over. Being mindful, do I stay focused on the negative side of the story or do I stay focused on the positive? Now, if you stay focused on the negative, you'll be more in the pessimist and you'll start noticing all the negative and you'll get stuck in that hamster wheel of the negativity. Or do I stay focused on the positive, which doesn't mean you're not aware of what's going on. You just don't get inundated on it. And when I stay in the positive side of the story, it allows me to see the good in a bad situation, which is really important because when you can see the good in a bad situation, you become resilient. And that's what we want. So your mindset in your control, what we digest, meaning how much media do we watch? How much news, TV, radio, newspaper, really important to pay attention to not only how much, but how it makes you feel. So I had a client say this to me the other day. She goes, you know, I, I still get the paper delivered. She goes, I think I'm the only one of my neighbors gets the paper delivered. She goes, and I like the paper. She goes, but the paper, all the headlines are so negative. Then I read it and I just get stressed and anxious the minute I read it. How does it make you feel? If you are watching the news TV, if you are digesting it 
whether it's the internet or a newspaper, and it's making you feel stress and anxiety and fear, then it's time to reduce your media intake. Now, the other thing too, if anybody's on social media, and I mean, all my clients of any age, all of them are on social media, that again can cause more stress because social media has become a place of a lot of hate and anger and fear. So how does it make you feel? When you're on it, are you getting stressed? Are you tensing out? Does it give you a headache? Are you feeling fatigued? If it is, watch what you digest. And digest also again with, you know, what are you eating and how you take care of yourself? And we also have control over who we spend our free time with. And that's really important because if you spend your time with toxic negative people, they will phase you. So something to know scientifically, moods and emotions are completely contagious. Now, because of that negative bias, negativity runs real quick compared to positivity. So if I go in a room and I'm in a really good mood, I only affect like one or two people. But if I go into a room and I'm in a really bad mood, I affect three or four people pretty quickly. So that's how fast it moves and how much we really lean into the negative more than the positive. So you wanna be careful of who you spend your time with. Do these people empower you? Or do they make you feel worse about yourself? So simple way to think about it. If I just went out with a friend, right? So Melissa's name's undermined. I'm using Melissa. Let's say Melissa and I just went to Panera's or Starbucks. We just grabbed a cup of coffee and we just sat down and chatted for an hour or two. Just laughed, talked. When I leave, I get a boost of happiness that lasts 24 to 72 hours because I feel really good. But if I'm with somebody who's constantly negative and toxic, I leave and I feel worse about myself. And as some of my clients said, one of my clients just said this to me. She said, you know, I have a friend and we've been friends forever. She goes, since third grade, she goes, we moved from Brooklyn to New Jersey together. She goes, and we're both now in our 70s. She goes, we've been friends that long. She goes, but every time I'm around her, she goes, I come home. She goes, I have the worst headache. She goes, I feel emotionally fatigued. She goes, I actually need a nap sometimes. And that's when somebody's getting toxic for you. And again, you can use that mind-body connection. When you're around people who make you feel worse about yourself, who are toxic for you, you will feel it on your body. Another one of my clients said when she's around her cousins, she has a toxic cousin, she goes, I feel like someone's in there wringing a washcloth. So use that to know. Because if we're not spending time with positive people who empower us, it's very easy for us to be drained, exhausted, and to be brought down. And the people we surround ourselves with make the difference. You want to think about the four to six people, the handful of people you spend your time with the most are the ones who affect us the most. And that could be friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. It doesn't matter who it is, but they could either lift us up or bring us down. So if you want to be positive, look at the people you spend your time with and we're in control over that. So remembering, what do I have control over? Myself, my reaction and response, my mindset, what I digest, my media, my social media, who I spend my time with. Those are all important things and they're all completely in your control and they will absolutely affect your stress and your happiness. So next one to think about is your support system. So I'm gonna put three and four together. Socialization is the number one factor of happiness across the board. We need socialization, we're social creatures. Even if you consider yourself an introvert, where you're a little more quiet, or as one of my clients expressed to me, she said, I like people, but I know when I've had enough. <laughs> even if you're one of those, we still need people. Even my introverted clients are saying that the co you know, COVID and the pandemic has affected them and being isolated really is you know, making a huge difference in their happiness levels. And I have a client who um, lives in a senior complex and she said to me, you know, I'm starting to get really nervous because, you know, we're having lunches outside in the parking lot once a week, which is great, but we know the weather's going to change soon and this is not going to happen and we won't be able to have our lunches, our book club, and we still need socialization. Remember, COVID, pandemic, all that saying physical isolation. Physical isolation, absolutely. You want your six feet distance, your masks, want to be, you know, outside if possible, but it doesn't mean social isolation. So even if your socialization has shifted what it looks like, and maybe it's done now through Zoom 
or Skype or phone or email, we still need to socialize. And one important thing you can do during the pandemic is reach out to one person a day who is not in your home, who you live with in your apartment, whatever it is, reach out to one person a day, even if again, it's by phone or email, or you know, you're outside six feet apart, really stay in contact. Because again, number one factor of happiness is socialization. Number one factor of depression outside of mental illness is loneliness and isolation. And between the pandemic and you know, the colder weather coming with the shorter days, we worry about that. So socialization. Now socialization also includes support and community. So you wanna ask, again, we can't heal, grieve, forgive without support. And what a support system needs, this is what we need. It's not about how many people are in your support. It's what does your support look like? It could be one or two people and it doesn't matter who they are, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, again, doesn't matter. But the key factor for support is, are these people in my life, people that I could be vulnerable with? I could be open. I could be my true authentic self. If you don't have the ability to be vulnerable around them, then you're not being authentic and you're not expressing and sharing what's going on for you. And you're not releasing those emotions and you're not reaching out for support. And what happens is when we feel that someone's going to be judgmental or critical or they'll reject us or abandon us, we won't open up. And, uh, you know, I get asked a lot when people have downsized and they moved into new, you know, senior communities is what if friends are new? You know, I have only known them a year. Um, can I tell them? It's really how they make you feel. Can you be authentic? Can you be vulnerable? Can you be open with them? And again, when somebody is truly like that, that just means that they are there for you unconditionally. And unconditionally doesn't mean they won't tell you if you're, you know, if something you're doing is not healthy or not working for you, but you know they won't abandon you or be judgmental about it. And those are the key factors. So just making sure, you know, in my support system, do I have those one or two people? And if not, do I have a professional support? And that could be spiritual, religious, as in like a priest, a minister, or a rabbi could be professional as a counselor, or a coach, a therapist, a psychologist, doesn't matter who it is, but making sure you do have somebody that you can reach out to really important because that whole thing, socialization, support, community, they all go hand in hand and they are so needed, especially during this time. Another thing that's really important for us to keep our stress levels down is to establish routines. So for many of us, our routines have been shifted because of the pandemic. And again, a lot of us are grieving our old past routine, schedule, consistency. So one important thing to think about is going back pre-pandemic, which I know is far back, right? Uh, 2019, January, February of this year, right? Because it started middle March. I want you to ask yourself, do I have a good morning and evening routines? Those are the two really important. We need a morning and an evening. And if there's anything you can take from your pre-pandemic life and put in to your new routine, absolutely do it. But if not, here are a few key factors. So for your morning routine, now this is just a military thing, but it works really well. Whatever you do, when you get up, it'll only take you 30 seconds to a minute, but make your bed. Because making your bed gives you, just so you know, um, the feeling of accomplishment and pride. And when we get that feeling of accomplishment and pride, those are positive emotions and they make us feel good and it starts our day off on a good foot forward. The other thing to do is even if you're not leaving your home, is change, change out of your pajamas. Even if you're changing just into a sweatsuit or leggings or shorts, because the weather's 70 degrees out, whatever it is, change that signifies you're starting the day. Now, another great thing that I love, and I'm going to put it up on the chat board, if I can, um, where did my PowerPoint go? Did I just lose my PowerPoint? Oh, sorry about that. My PowerPoint just shut off. Um, okay, so a very easy one is, it's a question, and I'm just posting it up here. When you get up in the morning, before you even get out of bed, you could just ask yourself this simple question. And this question is called the magic question. It was created by a cardiologist with a positive psychologist. 
And it's very simple. Before you even get out of bed, just ask yourself, how can I make this a great day? Just want you to ask yourself that question. And I want you to try and answer it or try to solve it. I just want you to kind of throw it out there to the universe. How can I make this a great day? Now, why that question works and so important is because what it does is when you ask that question, it makes your brain start working to solve it without you doing any work. So your brain just starts looking for solutions. How can I make this a great day? And sometimes you get solutions later on in the day, like while you're taking a shower or eating breakfast or whatever it is, right? All of a sudden, an answer will pop up and it'll come out of nowhere. So you don't need to put thought into it. And actually, I don't really want you to try and solve it because then you'll try and solve it on autopilot the way we do everything, which is without thinking about it, just doing and doing. I want you to just throw it out to the universe, start your day. It sets the intention for the day too of having a great day. And things will come to you. And it might be simple things like, oh, you know what? The weather's nice today. I can actually go for that walk outdoors and get the uh, vitamin D that I need from the sun. Or it might be, you know what? Today's Tuesday. I know I usually only talk to my daughter on Thursdays, but what if I reach out today for an extra five minutes? I know she said that she only had a half a day at work. Whatever it is that'll pop up, ask yourself that question. And then do something mindful. And what mindfulness is. So you probably have heard of meditation and yoga and chair yoga. Those are forms or intentional practices of being mindful. But what mindfulness, mindfulness is, is the ability to be awake and aware of everything around you and also everything that's going on in your mindset without judgment. And it brings you into the here and now, which is so important because when we're stressed, anxious, angry, we're usually in two spots, right? We're either in the past, thinking about what we should have done, what we could have done, what we regret, or we're carrying all our past baggage on us into the future, into the now, like a rock on our back. Or we're having what we call anticipatory anxiety, where we're in the future and we're always wondering what could be. And that leads us into anticipatory anxiety. But when I'm in the now, in the present moment, the here and now, I am my most productive, creative, healthiest, and happiest. So when we're here in the moment, we're doing our best. So if we do something to start our day mindful, it also, just so you know, it reduces stress, it lowers your stress hormone cortisol, it lowers blood pressure and reduces chronic pain and calms us. So all of that gets done and that helps reduce our stress. So start your day off. And the best way scientifically to get mindfulness is to go for a walk. If you can go for a walk, you got it. Even just a five, 10 minute walk, it helps reduce stress. Another way would be doing any stretching. If you like prayer, if you find that you're a religious spiritual person, prayer works, meditation works, anything. Journal writing, we call it a brain dump where you just write for like 10 minutes in the morning, just everything that's on your mind, just release it onto the paper. It's a free write. So you're just writing again, whatever you feel, whatever comes up, no judgment, no analyzation, no spell check, no grammar check just a way to release those emotions that we're holding on to. But start your day with something like that, just to start it on a good foot forward and to reduce any stress. And then at night, you wanna have again, a good routine. So maybe you go to bed around the same time every night. For some people, they take a hot bath or a warm shower just to reduce stress. For others, they drink chamomile tea, which is otherwise known as sleepy time tea to relax them. My thing I have my clients do is gratitude. And gratitude, I'm going to put it up here, is a form of mindfulness. So every time you're, you're grateful and you do a gratitude moment, not only do you cultivate mindfulness, but it's also a positive emotion. So it cultivates happiness. Now, gratitude, I have my clients do at night because at nighttime is when we start evaluating our day and we start going through what's happened, what we need to do, what we can't do. And that's when we start having a lot of anxiety. So a few things you can do at night. The first one is a gratitude check. And I have all my clients do it. You could say it out loud, say it in your head or write it however you'd like. But this is the question. What are two to three things that I am grateful for that happened today? That's the key factor that happened today. I want you to look through your day for the little gifts, blessings and miracles that happened doesn't matter how small it is. It could be you got a great parking spot. It could be that it was supposed to rain and it was drizzling and now it's sunny out. 
it doesn't matter what you're grateful for. It's just remembering to notice. Now, what gratitude does is it retrains your brain to go from negative to positive. So if you can do gratitude and make it an autopilot habit, something you do every night without thinking about it, it literally will shift your happiness by about 40%. So you get all the benefits because it's mindfulness, so it reduces stress and it cultivates happiness and positive emotions and it retrains your brain to go from negative to positive. So if you can make anything a routine, that would be it. The next thing is at night, if you notice that you're having problems falling asleep, or staying asleep because of what you need to do the next day, your things to do list, your appointments, your phone calls, doctor, whatever it is, then just write out your to do list at night. Once you write it out and you get it out, it won't wake you up or it won't stop you from falling asleep. The other last thing at night is whatever you're thinking about, about 20 to 30 minutes before bed affects if you sleep, how you sleep how you dream, and what mood you wake up in the morning. So my suggestion is no news, social media, or anything at night that produces stress, anxiety, fear, uncertainty, anger. We want to remove all that at night. And instead, we want to have positivity at night. So the gratitude, maybe a meditation, whatever works for you, but try to avoid the news at night. And lastly on the slide, and then I'll open up the floor for Q&A, is are your basic needs met? And this is a really important one because when we're in stressful times, we tend to put ourselves on the bottom of the priority list or we tend to not even think about ourselves. We're so busy taking care and worrying about others, we forget about ourselves. Now, this is the problem with that. If we don't make ourselves a priority, we can't give what we don't have. You can't be the best parent, grandparent, you know, whatever it is, wife, husband, if you're not taking care of you. And we need our basic needs met. Our basic physical needs are our foundation. When we don't have that foundation, everything is off balance. And if you're not feeling good physically, not only does it affect you emotionally, but it affects you mentally and cognitively. So really important. So there's four things that we want to make sure are going okay. The first one is sleep. Now, sleep has been the biggest issue that I'm hearing, and we even talked about pandemic in the stats, is sleep. People are really having a hard time sleeping. So how much sleep are you getting? Now, we know as adults, they tell us seven to eight hours, but just so you know, pre-pandemic, the normal American only got four to six hours. So we want to be realistic. If you can get six hours a night, you're pretty good cognitively. Because this is what happens. If we don't sleep more than six hours, or actually if we sleep less than six hours for three nights in a row, it's like not sleeping for 24 hours cognitively. Your attention span, your focus, your concentration, your memory, your moods, they're all completely off. So sleep is really important. And to keep your sleep hygiene, making sure you go to bed around the same time every night and wake up at the same time. Even if your routines are off with the pandemic, just making sure you stay that way. Dark room, cool room, and white noise sometimes works really great for a lot of my clients. Um, they'll get uh, like a fan kind of sound noise just to keep it going because that white noise kind of lulls us to sleep. Next one is diet. And this is the thing with diet I just want to bring out. We sometimes can cope in unhealthy ways when we're stressed and anxious. So just be careful of these few things. If you notice you're stressed, you're restless, you're nervous, you're anxious feeling, reduce or watch, be mindful of your sugar and your caffeine. Now I'm not saying don't have a cookie or a cup of coffee. I had a cookie before this, but watch it, be mindful and don't binge on it because what happens is caffeine and sugar make us more anxious, more restless and more nervous. If you notice you're feeling depressed, isolated, lonely, sad, watch your alcohol because alcohol is a depressant. So just being mindful of those. Now water, right? And I keep water right here next to my computer. Water is so important. So what happens is for many of us is we're dehydrated, but not enough like any emergency go to the hospital, but it affects our cognitive skills, our memory, our attention, our energy. So if you notice in the afternoon, you're getting like those afternoon blues where a lot of people will go for like a cup of coffee or a sugary snack. 
If you're having that, I want you to add water to your afternoons. Now this is the perfect time to do it because it takes our bodies about two weeks to adjust, but we're home, so we're right near a bathroom, so it's safe. So in the afternoon, after you eat lunch, I want you to sip, you don't have to guzzle or anything, two glasses of water or water bottles, whatever's easier for you. And you'll notice in about two weeks, your energies, your energy, energies, your energy, your clarity, your concentration, your attention, your focus, your moods, memory, are all better. So up your water. And lastly, exercise, which is so body, uh, so important because our bodies hold all of that stress. That's why we call it the pain body. And the only way through that is exercise, it's movement. So I'm just gonna go for walking. I'm gonna give you the stat. If you can walk four times a week at 20 minutes, I mean, if you can go longer and do 30 minutes, great. But if you can walk a minimum of four times a week at 20 minutes, it's equivalent to an anti-anxiety pill with no side effects. Now, this is the bonus while the weather is nice, right? Because it's been beautiful and you know it's supposed to get a little cooler at the end of the week, but still in the mid fifties, which is good walking weather. You can walk outdoors, get a bonus because being out in fresh air and nature produces mindfulness. So we reduce stress. The other thing is if you can get the sun, which is great, we get vitamin D, which is so important because vitamin D is really important for our bones, right? We know that. Great for our immune system, which is really important with COVID and the flu. But even the other bonus that I love is it cultivates better moods. It helps with our mood, which is why a lot of people start taking vitamin D supplements in the winter, especially if anybody here has that seasonal affective disorder or winter blues, because of the shorter days, the cold, feeling more trapped in, which we can feel just because of the winter coming. But now with the pandemic, we can be feeling that more. The more natural sunlight you can get, the better. Get as much as you can before the weather changes. And or you could also get vitamin D supplements. They sell them all over Walmart, ShopRite, Amazon, have kids pick it up for you, whatever it is. And that could help as well. So get out there, but make sure your basic needs met, your sleep, your diet, your water, your exercise, they are all so important. And of course, I will send a copy of the PowerPoint out to Melissa. So if anybody wants a copy of it, they could just ask um, and Melissa will have it. She could send it to you and you can look through it. And if you have questions, my email's on that or Melissa can pass on the question to me and I can answer it as well. So I know sometimes we need to process the information and then ask questions a day or two later, or you know, if you want to sit down with your family and discuss anything, please let me know. And the good news on that end is that this will be up and running on seniorlivinglive.com starting tomorrow. Everybody oh, okay. attending will get a link to this that they can send to their friends and family. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Diane, that was amazing. Um, I personally was actually taking down notes. Um, I've certainly learned uh, quite a bit from you here today. Um, so let's go ahead and start with, with a few questions, okay? So first question I have, um, you going back to repetition, you mentioned the, the chewing repetitions. Yep. Uh, do you recommend the repetition of the action that caused the stress to begin with? I mean, that's just an example, the gentleman who was in the car accident, he still probably has to drive to go to work, driving, not driving may not be an option for him. Uh, what do you recommend on that end? Uh, should they continue to do the, the, the thing that caused the anxiety to begin with? So we call it exposure therapy when you do that. So my client actually does still have to drive. He's almost retiring, but he's not there yet. Um, he's only hybrid right now. He's only going in like once a week, which is good because of COVID. But in January, he was going in. And being that he didn't have an option, he carried the peanuts and pretzels with them. So you can slowly expose yourself to the stressor if you want to. But my suggestion is if you don't feel comfortable doing that alone, you do it with a therapist. Um, you know, somebody that you could, if, if it's something you think you can work through on your own, absolutely. Then the gum chewing or the peanuts, the pretzels, again, especially people have like, you know, I was saying I broke my crown, you know, we all have, you know, and some people just don't like gum and I get that, but sure. it is the chewing repetition that makes it feel good. So if you do a sucking candy, it won't feel the same. It's the chewing. So whatever works for you. But again, if the thing that's stressing you out is too overwhelming and fearful, then I would suggest doing it with somebody. If it's something small or nervous, like public speaking or, you know, anything like that, that 
even social anxiety, you know, meeting new people in a community or going into, a, you know, a social event, a happy hour, and you don't know anybody. Absolutely, the chewing will absolutely help. So you just add it on to, you know, another coping strategy for you. Fantastic. Um, to your 90% rule, uh, the 90% of the things you fear won't happen. Right. Now, um, for that 10% that's left, Diane, uh, when it does happen, and it happens almost exactly in the way that you feared, uh, what steps can you take to sort of ease that anxiety in the future that it won't happen again? So reminding yourself that, again, only 5% actually does really happen. So most of the time, it won't. Um, if it does happen, then you ask yourself, what was the worst case scenario? You know, for a lot of clients, it, it does happen, you know, and, and the worst case scenario was livable. It wasn't this big, overwhelming thing. Like worst comes to worst. When I went to the dentist, it ended up being good. But what would have been the worst case scenario if he said, yeah, you cracked it. I would have had to get root canal. Now, I'm not a big fan of root canal. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, yay, root canal. But worst case scenario is I would have got root canal. They would have given me Novocaine. I've had root canal before. It would have sucked, but I would have got through it and it would have been over with and that would have been it. So talk yourself through, you know, do the self-talk because the odds are 95% of the time it doesn't happen as bad, if at all. So that 5% that does happen, you can ask them, what's my worst case scenario? Can I get through the worst case scenario? Which most of the time is yes. And if I need help, who do I ask for help? How do I get the help if I do need? Like, let's say it's an illness or an injury. Mm -hmm. And the worst case is, you know, I don't know. So then it's, okay, I don't even know my worst case scenario, but who can I talk to? Who can be my support system? What are my next steps? And taking steps forward, even micro steps, meaning really small steps. So it might not be, okay, well, you know, I'm going to solve it tomorrow, but it might be, okay, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to call my family doctor who will give me the name of three doctors. Then I can call them and see who's taking new clients, um, what their availability is, you know, taking those micro steps, because when we move forward, gives us that sense of control and we're taking action, which is really important. Yeah. Okay. Back to the seasonal stress. Um, <laughs> and this might go a little bit more into the medical territory than you're comfortable. And if that's the case, um, totally fine. Um, but are there other supplements? You mentioned vitamin D uh, quite a bit in your presentation that um, you can perhaps take that or you recommend to your clients that could give you an additional boost. So a few things, vitamin D, I find really helpful. And of course, when you go to your physician for your yearly visit, you can ask them to test your vitamin D levels if you're not sure if they're low. Um, but again, even if you took one supplement and just so you know, they even come in gummies because I know a lot of people don't like swallowing pills. So they have gummies and chewables, so you can take them anyway. Um, my other suggestion is light therapy, which you can get like an Amazon. They're usually very inexpensive and it just brings the natural light to you. Um, a lot of my clients who are still working will put it by their computer. Clients who are at home, but just feeling that isolated might put it in the family room or you can carry it. They're small little lights and they're very inexpensive, but you only need like 20 minutes of it. It's not like you want it on all day. You just get like 20, 30 minutes of it, just like you would in the sun. And it really helps. And the other thing is this, get outside as much as you can, even if it means, you know, just sitting on your deck or on your patio or, you know, going for a quick walk while the weather's good. Because, you know, especially in this tri-state area, sometimes we have warm winters till January and we want to get as much and, you know, as much good weather as we can because nature does it. And the other thing is if you can't go outside, sit by your window where the sun comes in. Feel the warmth on you, feel the sun, look up to it, and you can still do that inside and get some of the benefits. And if it's getting too much um, for people, you know, a lot of my clients I know notice mid-October to end of October is the beginning of that winter blues season for them. And some of them will contact their doctor and they do go on a very, very low dose of an antidepressant just for the winter months. So that is an option. But again, that's not, that's something you would have to contact either family doctor or psychiatrist, I can't answer that, but I do have clients who will do that. And I have to say a few of my clients who do live alone through this um, said they did do that in April or May, just because they knew that, you know, once we hit like June, July, people were starting to go out, just getting outside in nature, even if you're alone, gives you a different feeling or waving to your neighbors, you know, it was a little different, but they knew it. And some of them 
by April were like, I can't handle this. And they went on a low dose just till June. And some of them immediately said, you know what? I live alone, you know, and some of them are in small apartments, you know, and they just said, I know I'm just going to do that route just until, you know, and I'm not sure when a vaccine will come out or what winter will look like. We can't say, but you can do that absolutely till March, April, and then, you know, go back to that outdoors because, you know, even now the gyms are closed or a lot of the communities, you know, they had to close their wellness or the places where everybody got together because of COVID. So if that's the case, it is just another option to discuss with your doctor. Great. Uh, two more. Um, sure. So, uh, we know, and as you said in your presentation so well, uh, knowledge is the enemy of fear. Okay, mm -hmm. knowledge is power. We've heard that a million times over the course Absolutely. of our lives. Um, when you talk about gathering information, Diane, from reliable sources, what do you consider reliable sources? Because let's face it, there are a lot of outlets out there, a lot of <laughs> bloggers, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. What the heck is a reliable source these days? You know what? I bring that up because what I've been hearing too, and a lot of my... <laughs> A lot of my older clients will say that they were talking to their kids or grandkids about what's on the news, whether it's election, COVID, it didn't even matter what it was. They'd be like, oh, that's old or you, that's from like six months ago. Did you get that on Facebook? And this is the thing. Look at where you're getting your information from. One, if it's social media, fact check it because those are more people's opinions. The other thing is when you're reading an article, if it's on the internet, check the date because that's the problem. A lot of people were reading articles that were saying things, but they were from June and we were in September and things have shifted and it was causing panic for people. Like, oh my God, we're having another shutdown. The article was from April. We're not closing down yet. It's just, you're reading something from here. So really, I mean, and it, this is the thing, everything's changing so quickly. I mean, if you watch the news today, Pfizer says they have a vaccine that's 90% good, but by tomorrow that could change. So you really need to keep up to date, but not inundated. So up to date. So my thing is, if it's social media, double check it. If it's from somebody else, an opinion, double check it. What are your resources for, you know, really reliable? Like for me, if it's anything science-based, it has to be from a science journal. You know, it can't be just somebody's website or blog. It has to be from a journal. If it's psychology, it has to be from the APA. You know, so thinking about, or KCREP, which is Counseling Association, going to the credible sources that you're comfortable with. You know, it might be the Wall Street Journal, it could be New York Times, but making sure it's just not somebody's opinion and also checking the date just to make sure you're up to date because one month can make a big difference in COVID, um, the vaccine and the elections. So really making sure. Up to date, but not inundated. I, I love it. Just that's, that, that should be it. That should be up everywhere. <laughs> be the slogan for Twitter and Facebook. Great. Um, the last question, and this is something that you and I discussed last week, but I, I think it could be a mantra uh, for people watching. Uh, sure. You've used keywords in the past to represent years. What is the keyword this year with all that has happened? And what is your keyword perhaps for 2021? So my keyword for this year was freedom, which, you know, I didn't feel very free being locked in. So I switched my keyword to flexible. Mm -hmm. And I'm keeping flexible for 2021 because I didn't switch it till halfway through because of everything. But I think flexible or open are really great words because I think it's what we need. You know, the one thing we all have to remember in life is there's the only constant in the world is change, whether it's natural change, right? Physically, we change aging. You know, we can't control that and we can't control what's going on outside of us, the environment, whether again, it's election, COVID, natural disasters. You know, my brothers in Florida, they're having a hurricane today. You know, like we, we can't control that, the weather. So it's really about embracing change. And I think COVID has taught us all that a lesson, that change is the only constant. It's a really good reminder. So if you make your positive word of the year, flexible, flexibility, open, it allows you to go, okay, you know, things are going to happen that are outside of my control, but I'm going to work on going with the flow. You know, so whatever word represents, I liked flexible. One of my clients said she loved open. One client said she loved embrace. She felt like embracing change. One said acceptance. That's my word, acceptance. But they all kind of are meaning the same thing, that we just can't control anything but ourselves. And to try to set you up for failure because it's an impossibility. So the more we embrace change and accept that change is going to happen, good or bad, because we have good changes, like we I said in 
you know, talking about that, like moving, it's still stressful, but it's a, a positive change. It might be moving into a great community and meeting all these great new friends and dinners made for you and it's fabulous, but it's still stress because it's moving. So just being able to accept change is huge. So pick the word that matches for you. And some families have done it together that they, you know, the whole family sits down and they all pick a word together. And you could do that even if it's over Zoom with your kids, you know, what's our word for this year for this family, you know? And you can make that a new ritual because that's another great thing to add to routine. You know, traditions, rituals, they all go great for grieving, for healing and positivity. So all of it. Yeah, and it can be empowering empowering to uh, sort of bring Absolutely. you back to the center when things get a little bit crazy. So right. uh, I love Absolutely. that. Um, Diane Lang, uh, fantastic job today. Excellent presentation. You really explained everything in such a simple way. And I think we can all appreciate that. We thank you for sharing your knowledge today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. And, and for everybody watching, once again, we will have um, this link up and running in your email box, uh, your inbox, starting tomorrow of this webinar that you can send out and share with family and friends. You can also check out the rest of our content on our website, www.seniorlivinglive.com. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And as always, have a great day, everybody.